Welcome to the Cosmo Brew Show! Yeah. NBA Draft Edition, Cosmo Brew Show, broadcasting live from the studio. Not really. Not really. But uh, just uh, recovering from a big night of NBA Draft, we had the culmination of the Anthony Davis saga and, uh, you know, a bunch of other stuff. But how you doing, Cos? And I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I got home a little late. I had my uh, my track. Uh, you know, I run my track program, so it goes into the evening. So it was like about midway through uh, first round when I got in. You know, I was I was talking to my wife, and uh, it's kind of funny. Like basketball is one of the like very few things that like like if you just become if you just become seven feet tall, and you can like run you're going to get an opportunity somewhere in the world to make a six-figure salary for at least one year. Like, <laughs> somebody in some league somewhere will say, eh, we'll give them a try. You know, the fact that you have, you know, uh, you know, frying pans for hands or, you know, you, you might have broken every bone in your body at one point in your life. If you just hit that seven-foot mark, somebody... We'll give you $100,000 for at least one year somewhere in the world. It's, See, not- it's truly remarkable. No, 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 nobody else has that in any other profession, you know? Nowhere. See, now, I'm wondering if you saw yesterday, it was floating around the internet, was this old Wilt Chamberlain footage. Did you see it at all? Did that spur this along? or? Oh, no, no, it didn't. No, okay, I was, just, so- I was, just, I was he- just marveling, you know, at some of the you know, guys I've seen like, you know, on YouTube and stuff, just that everyone's trying to pump. But anyway, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. So this, this just floated around the internet yesterday. So Wilt Chamberlain, uh, just highlights. I mean, it's not nothing we haven't seen before, but this one was kind of specifically focused on his speed. And I read, I want to say three of Wilt Chamberlain's books in high school. So I kind of remember these stories, but he was an amazing sprinter and I believe he beat Jim Brown in a sprint wow Um, yeah yeah like they organized it it was a thing and i believe he won somebody can correct me on that but anyway this film shows him running on the fast break and oh my god (laughs) it was i mean he's so much faster than any center we've seen Uh, i'm trying to think of one that would be faster kareem was very fast as a young man. Um, I don't think he was as fast as Wilt. Maybe David Robinson. Maybe. I, I don't think I ever could... saw David Robinson run that fast, though. Like, Yeah, he could go. I mean, like... Oh, no, I'm he, sure he, he could go. I'm, I mean, in this film, he... But we're, talking about, we're talking about maybe David Robinson. Um, I mean, we're, we're in the small ball era of fast-paced basketball and all of that, and like... I'm trying to think who is the most athletic, fastest center that we have of I mean, the last served, ten years. Faster probably than like, you know, a guy like a Clint Capella or someone who could probably get up and down pretty well. You know, in this Wilt particular Chamber- clip, he was f- like twice as fast as the nearest guy. Like, yeah. and to your yeah. point about a seven footer. Like, because he had such athleticism and such grace with his movement, 
he right. i mean he it was like watching a short dude who is a sprinter who's like this is his thing he does but i guess not even a short dude because he's so long and lanky but like he covered so much ground yeah and yeah. so to your point yeah i think wilt chamberlain could have tripped and fell and, and made a bazillion dollars doing just about anything he wanted and he's special because of that athlete. I mean, there's some certain guys, I mean, like, you know, you look at a young Shaquille O'Neal, 300 pounds, you know, when he first came into the league and was just moving like a deer and jumping out of the ceiling. Those guys are a little bit different. But I'm talking about the guy that's just a plotty guy, like that can't really do anything. Somewhere in the world, somebody's going to be like, give that guy 100K. You know, let's, let's put him under the rim. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another like, one <laughs> that, that we always we always talk about is if you could just become a good punter. Like yeah. if you started oh. as a kid, you know, like oh, as a, a football punter, it's the easiest yeah. job in the world. I mean, yeah, maybe you got to get in on a tackle every once in a while. But, you know, if you start at a young age and just boom the ball downfield, I mean, Dude. that's a, that's an easy one, too. Absolutely. If you if you start that out, like, you know, if you're like a, you know, like like people are getting their kids in the golf and something. But if you could pin that thing in the in the uh, in the five yard area every freaking time on the sideline. You just dude, make, like, a, you'll, make four or five million dollars a year every year for the rest of your life. 20 years. All you do is stay in shape, you know, <laughs> keep your legs in shape for 20. I mean, Sebastian Janikowski is like 280 pounds, you know, eats like a, you know, a basket of fried chicken every day. They got kicked for 20 years, you know, <laughs> like it, it's crazy. It, it is. And, and, and shout out to Seabass because um, what a career for that guy. I uh, yeah. can only imagine eating and drinking the way that he does and then being good at something. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we had a big, big, big day and night and week of basketball to talk about. Man, there's so much to go through. So the draft came and went. It was very busy um, on the front end of the draft. And in fact, an hour before the draft, we knew like the first five picks that were going to be taken through various reporting. But then like you had the trades that were happening and it just felt like it was going to just be this constant onslaught of chaos. And it sort of slowed down a little bit. But um, this draft, not um, not it wasn't pumped up. I mean, you had Zion... But everybody knew what was the story there, and everybody's seen Zion all year. So I don't think there was a lot of hype surrounding this draft. But as you started digging in, um, you know, and for those of us that just watch NBA basketball, you know, straight through the playoffs, and you're really breaking down film through the, the playoffs, so you're, you're not taking on that workload for college. When you just sort of dove in after the end of the, the Raptors series, you're – your, I thought my first impression of this was that there was a lot of talent um, in the middle of the draft. And so teams looking at, you know, those three, four, five, six, seven picks really were at a disadvantage because if you had wandered into the eight through 15 picks, there was going to be a guy there that fell. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, then what happened during the draft, I thought was, teams started getting guys that could really help them out. And I don't know um, 
you know, if that's if we've seen as much of that in past years. So I really came out of this draft thinking, well, this team really got a lot of, you know, something that they could use. And, you know, I thought a lot of teams had a successful draft. Of course, there were teams that completely farted all over themselves, which was great. I thought, you know, it's always good to see that sort of chaos. And, um, you know, it all starts with that Anthony Davis trade. You know, it was announced earlier in the week and the just massive amount of picks that came across the board and uh you know resident laker fan of the cause and bruce show what do you want to even say that hasn't been said about that and and are you gonna defend it at all because there are some people defending this like hey they got anthony davis and sort of the end justifies the means and who cares about the man behind the curtain so what's say right. cause well we've we've talked about uh, the dysfunction going on there and just how they're pretty much all show right now let's just get let's just get magic johnson he'll fix things rob Pelin- well the warriors have a good looking young gm and bob myers so we'll who used to be an agent so we'll get a good looking guy and uh he used to be an agent so that'll make <laughs> you know that just this this whole way they do everything is so just god awful when you know uh you have a situation with the Anthony Davis thing. They needed to get Anthony Davis, right? <laughs> Once the Celtics made it clear that Jason Tatum is not going to be a part of the Anthony Davis deal, the Lakers are now the only team <laughs> that is in this thing. Glad to see you struck at the core of the argument because everybody else that's supporting this thing is completely missing this precise point you're making. So go on. No, 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 other, team, no other team has ever like in the Pelican situation has ever made out like this when you know the guy wants to leave and he only wants to go to one place. Now, again, just like they did in the regular season when they were offering up their whole team, bidding against themselves, they did the same thing again. Like, first of all, they get they, they make the deal happen at a time when it's going to hit them, they're going to lose a bunch of money in the cap. And then they threw in this just... <laughs> extraordinary amount of um, draft picks. Um, I mean, it, you can look at it. The only rosy way to look at it is that they, they draft like crap anyway. So what, what difference does it make who gets the picks, I guess, is one thing. But they even got like, a, as well as the like, the, the three picks, they, they have the right to swap their, the other, some other picks too. Because the three picks are like staggered every other year because you can't you can't trade away the first rounders in consecutive years, but they can now, they can now swap them. So the can, can you imagine David Griffin while he's making these deals? By the way, David Griffin oh. probably made a, a couple twenty thirty million dollars in the last oh week my God. because everybody will talk about what he did for years. Like, he like, do you think like as soon as he hung up the phone with another demand? They're just dying laughing. Yeah, right, right. Oh my, oh my, oh my, give us another one. Oh I need, oh I need the outtakes, dude. I need the outtakes. Somebody film that laughing, that laughing session, because that's that's the only thing I could even like begin to to think that happened. I, I'm so let's reset it. They got Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Uh, the number four pick in last night's draft, three future first-round draft picks with the rights to swap, and I believe that's in two or three years in the first round sandwiched in between those draft picks that they gave up. That is just an incredible haul. And then David Griffin, 
actually turned it into more. Um, so the, the, the Pelicans, the, the turnaround there, and I was actually, um, Mike Pelichet over at the Bourbon Street Shots website did their pod the other day. And um, <clears throat> he remembered you, Kaz, so he says hi. Um, we were talking about the, the, the month they've had. I mean, they went from sort of being kind of borderline laughing stock to getting rid of Dell Demps to basically getting somehow out of this. Gail Benson has been a pretty damn good owner and pretty good damn yeah. like steward of the team. You cannot overstate that because um, the husband is, you know, was an NFL guy, ran them the NFL way. And the the wife is much more open minded and, you know, just willing to get smart people in the places and let them do their job. So that that's a huge thing for them. And she sold sir. David Griffin on the job. I mean, and granted, you're getting the number one pick and, you know, there's 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 reason there. But I mean, right. they just, and they get the, the son's trainer to come across. And that's granted with a you know, uh, previous relationship with David Griffin back in Phoenix. But like. So they get Zion, they get, I, there was a tweet that listed everything they got in that got some bazillion retweets, because it's a, it's a haul, we'll get through all their stuff. Yeah. But that set the tone for this week, and um, Anthony Davis, now Laker, huge story, and you mentioned it there a little bit, they screwed up on the timing of the deal and their ability now to offer a max deal through... Um, through uh, the end of this month, it, it's tied to whether or not now they can make a deal with Atlanta and, and attach Atlanta to a deal. But Atlanta and New Orleans have no incentive to work with them. And this was something that this is really deep in the weeds for cap folks. Um, but basically, the, the Lakers didn't know this rule. And yeah. this is just kind of on top of the deal that's terrible they didn't know this rule so they're, they're going to have to now give up something in order to get the the max salary cap space that they need for another store so uh we'll see how that goes you know if they can get another star i'm i'm, I'm pretty sure they probably do have another star they can get um but now they're yeah, gonna have to give up I, something else to get them yeah and i will say this that that not having the money for that max for the Lakers is actually a good thing because now it'll force them to get multiple good players. But just just to tie kind of a ribbon on the Lakers, I don't want to talk about them too much because I'm in a good mood. I don't want to get mad. They have also completely acquiesced their organization to Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. I mean, this is about as ridiculous. They're set. The one thing I said going into this draft was they needed to hit a home run on their second round. Because they have no money and they need lots of players. They needed a guy with experience. They needed to get a junior or a senior and a guy that could play immediately. And they immediately go get a kid. I think they made a trade with Orlando uh, for this kid. The the New Balance Academy guy? (laughs) Yeah, whoever whoever it is. But he's a he's a, a clutch sports guy. And it's like, they just thought, they're just, the Lakers are just like, Rich Paul might as well put uh, on his card, might as well put agent slash GM of the Lakers because they, they, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But, hey. I just want, the, I want the, uh, the, the Linda, what's her name, uh, 
uh, Rambus. I, I blanked what? on Rambus's name there because you know I get little like PTSD flashbacks from his time in Sacramento, which wasn't even a thing. I just remember yeah. how terrible it was from like a organizational cancer standpoint <laughs> like the small amount of time he stayed in that was actually his time in sacramento should have like if there was a 30 for 30 but it was like 10 seconds long like 10 for 10 uh he just like came into sacramento pissed off michael malone pissed off the entire organization and then left because nobody yeah. could stand him and so yeah no um Congratulations, Laker fans. You have yourself quite a bumpy road. And those picks, my God, I'll close it out with this. If something happens to either LeBron or Anthony Davis and they just turn into a bad team, you know, LeBron heads for the hills and then they're just bad and they're losing first round pick after first round pick after first round pick. That's good. Holy moly. Wait, wait, Aaron. How could something possibly happen to a 34-year-old guy who's played about 10 million games and a, and a 27-year-old guy who's been injured every single year of his, of his career? I, I don't. <laughs> how, 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 how could you ever even well, think that and, and actually, like, I want to take it, you know, we will take two seconds on these Lakers here. I'm not sure they can win with those two guys as their top guys. Now, granted, the, the, the playing field got level with the Golden State injury stuff. I get that, but LeBron's LeBron needs to basically have sort of like one of those genetic kind of um, freak type things happen where he comes back from the off season and is in such great shape that we don't even recognize him. And Mm -hmm. with Anthony Davis, he needs to also have something similar happen and have way more lateral quickness than he's displayed over the last two years in order to be this, elite defender that he's given credit to be but he's not and if if those two things happen then yeah maybe i think they could be in the mix but i just look at lebron's game has deteriorated so much that he's probably like a top five to ten guy right now tops davis is a top five to ten guy tops right now i I think that what would need to happen and and it's going to take i don't don't know why it would be hard to convince him but oh is this I think flip flopping for a lot of the a lot of the time and and going inside out through LeBron James and having Anthony Davis roam around the perimeter, mm, I think yeah. is probably the, the best way. I think if they did that, then I think they're they're fine. Like, don't get me wrong. If they want, if they get there to the playoffs and they have, you know, we'll see these next few moves to fill out their roster are going to be what what set what what's the um, important stuff here. But that, to me, is going to be the key because LeBron can't get by people anymore. You know, he's just getting guys on his hip, and he's so strong that he's able to get his shots off. He can't get by guys. So, they, you know, people are still, like, have a hard time letting go. I mean, this is not the LeBron James of his first year in Miami that's just blown by everybody and dunking on I mean, that's not it. You know, he's an, old, he's an older player now. So he's got to adjust. So we'll see. Mike Conley dealt to the Jazz. This one's been slow rolling for a while. Um, Memphis gave up practically nothing. Uh, the uh, Crowder, Corver, Grayson Allen trio is nothing. Um, you know, people try to talk about that they could be worse stuff in in future deals for the Grizzlies, but kind of don't see that. Uh, no, they got the twenty. Uh, doesn't it seem like they're going to be just like kind of buyouts or? Yeah. Do you see any guys even being on the roster? Uh, not Corver. Everybody's already talked about Corver in L.A. Um, 
Grace and Allen could probably stick around. Uh, Crowder, yeah. we'll see. Uh, he Crowder's really turned into a handful. He shoots way too much and, and is not as good defensively as he used to be. So that's, uh, you know, for them, they, they got a first-round pick, but it's protected, and then they got the 23 from last night's draft. Um, I, I, I think they probably just needed to turn the page there. And this is what happens when you probably don't make the better deals that you had, but wanted to sit and wait, you know, over the past year. Um, that's why you got to get ahead of this stuff. But uh, the jazz with Conley now, um, you know, I think the jazz have troubles in their front court. I think Rudy Gobert is not as good a defender as people give him credit for now. Um, and they don't have a power forward and, and they could talk about Derek favors all they want, but you know, that he doesn't fit for that team, in my opinion. And then, um, you know, the power forward wise, they just got to figure out somebody that can give them more athleticism. Because if you could look at the back line and it's Gobert and Joe Ingles, you know, they're both very good defenders, but they're not quick. So if they get another heavy guy, I think that they could be yeah. in trouble. Um, they need some some athleticism and outside shooting. And because they do have Gobert, they can splurge a little bit, bit in those two categories and not worry so much about the overall defense of that next player. So I think a sure. light, light, you know, stretchy power forward there would work. But that backcourt, you know, man, Donovan Mitchell has... Better, yeah, and, and I mean to think about it like Donovan Mitchell has had so much pressure to make plays, and now yeah. you bring in just this ultimate sort of balancer, and yeah. he's going to be able to teach him so much. So I like that. I, I thought Utah yeah. did really well in this deal. Yeah, I really. I mean, uh, Quinn Snyder. I think that you can really open up and really do some cool things um, as far as you know pin downs with Donovan Mitchell and you know getting him you know having Conley take the brunt of the, you know, bringing the ball up the court and making the first initial action and really being able to be creative with Donovan Mitchell, who's a good cutter and slasher, as well as, you know, kind of pin downs where he has the option to curl or head out to the three-point line. He'll be able to, he'll be able to have people running at him this year, which he hasn't really had the luxury of having. You know, he's, he's been the guy that's had to do kind of make something out of nothing. Uh, Mike Conley is just a really good player when he's healthy, and so um, this is this is great for them. Then came the John Lure Tony. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> the the trades that that came after that. Well, we'll kind of hit them as we go through the draft here. What I want to do is is just sort of spin through the draft, and we could just talk about some fit stuff. We'll take a little bit of time on each guy, um, not a bunch, because. You know, frankly, I don't know a ton about them. I did watch a good amount of film, <clears throat> and I feel like, you know, watching a good amount of film, you could get a really good sense of what a player is all about. Um, but we, we do have to see how things progress over the summer and through uh, preseason. I remember Donovan Mitchell's film, you know, since we're talking about him, man, he looked nothing like the guy that he showed up as in Summer League. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, when you saw him in Summer League, you were just like, whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get excited about summer league, but I get excited about this one because this is this yeah. is big. Um, so uh, Zion off the top, and uh, yeah, I thought the draft was really nice last night. You know, everybody was crying about their their mom, their dad, and their mom and dad standing right there, and they're having these great moments yeah. on TV. And I don't think you get to see them, but the uh, you know Zion got up there and you know shed a really 
big tear and it was just this touching moment and uh he was wearing this all white suit you know just look clean i liked it i liked yeah. it that was clean man was and clean, huh? and i'll tell you this man i was thinking about it i was like he could easily be the first player to play both basketball and football for the same team <laughs> Like, if you didn't know what you were watching, you turned it on. You thought it was the NFL draft and the Saints just got, like, Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> oh, man. He, yeah. he, he Man, he just he's, pops he's, yeah. off the screen. Yeah. I, we don't have to stay too much on him. Um, you know, he's, he's going to – I really – as long as, you know, David Griffin's there – and he has coaches in place that'll stay out of his way. I think that they're doing the right thing by trying to be a good team. You know, uh, the Pelicans, they're not doing this, this dump to, you know, get young. And they've got good, they've got, you know, Drew Holiday and stuff. And if they want to move him, it'll be for, you know, assets that actually work. But this dude, I mean, is a freak. And he's got great instincts. I think he's an outstanding passer. Uh, particularly in the open court. Um, I think his feet, he's got some of the best feet I've ever seen. Maybe the best ever on a man that size. Like, he's really, like, people compare him to Charles Barkley a lot, but he's a lot lighter on his feet than Charles was. You know, he's, oh, he's got oh, the same. Oh, God, kind of yeah. He's, he's very graceful and light and nimble. And, you know, I think uh, I was watching a little bit of the coverage after, um, and it was uh, Sam Mitchell was talking, and he was talking about, the first day of practice, because um, Sam Mitchell coached him at, at some stage on USA or whatever, and and Sam Mitchell was talking about the first day of practice um, when they had when they when Kevin Garnett got drafted, and he looked at I forget the name he said he looked at another veteran on the team he's like, we're playing with a Hall of Famer, and he said <laughs> he said and he said Drew Holiday is gonna do that after the first day of practice with Zion Williams. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and and their their roster, oh man, we'll, we'll get to that. But that's, um, I mean, that is going to be an exciting team to watch. I am really, yeah. you know, I'm a fan free agent. I used to be a Warriors fan, and you know, get into media, and you can't really be a fan anymore. And looking for a new team, maybe, maybe, or I'm just going to be a Warriors fan after they're really bad and and yeah, really yeah. just skip all of the good stuff and just because yeah. I mean that's what us real warrior fans we know pain <laughs> and more pain and that's all we know so um you know that's how you know a real warrior fan if they got PTSD um so yeah that's I mean it's going to be great to watch him and and really looking forward to it uh, Memphis gets John Morant uh I'm as excited about Morant um, maybe not quite as excited, but I am as excited, generally speaking, as I am with Zion. He, I, I love John Morant. Ooh, man, he is just a, a mean, mean player. <laughs> he is. I think, I think that because he played at such a small, you know, a small school and a small conference, a lot of those highlights are very much about, you know, his, like, angry dunks and some of the more highlight plays, but that you know, when you saw him against higher level competition, you really saw the the real point guard in him. He can manipulate the back line of defense with his eyes and with his body. And uh, I'm I'm excited. I think Memphis got a real, real good player. And you know, having uh, Jackson there with him, who I think is going to continue um, to improve every year. Um, you know, you got you got a nice one two combo there. And uh, 
you know, they, they're, they're a small market. They got to be patient and just do everything right. And so, and right now they're doing everything right. So far, I don't have a lot of faith in that franchise. Ownership shaky. There's, um, you know, uh, questions about even if they would stay in Memphis. Uh, all that stuff can just sort of wear down on people. Uh, but uh, Dellen Wright, you know, next to him, you know, that's, that's going to be a, a handful, I think, for uh, teams, you know, as those guys get older and get better. And uh, you can't argue with the pick. And, um, you know, he lands in a place where he's going to get plenty of opportunities. So I think he helps them. And uh, that was the theme throughout this draft. So uh, that spins us, though, to New York and, and R.J. Barrett. And I'm way down on him. And so okay. I don't I don't know if you're going to talk me out of that. Uh, I had him. I did a best player available uh, in my first set of uh, analysis. And he was like yeah. seventh on the list. Um, who did you have as the third best player? Just as a just oh, who did who did I have as the third best player? That's a great question. It was um, there. Let me look because it, <laughs> it, it was close. I mean, it was like literally like I didn't have a, a like a big opinion on this one way or another. It was DeAndre Hunter was my third. Okay, that's fine. That, and, that's, and then that's I had, had Culver after that, and then. Uh, just to, to throw it out there, because we'll forget otherwise, Siku Dumboya. I had okay. him, and he fell all the way to 15 for Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I, I don't know anything about Dumboya. I, I'll admit that. I I like R.J. Barrett. I think what – I think sometimes everyone's looking for, you know – to me, like, again, I'm a, I like to watch the game, and I I saw Duke play enough – I love his attitude. I love his defense. He gets after it. And I like, you know, he attacks the rim. Now, people are not big on the shooting and that he should be a better shooter. I I also think that, you know, Coach K for all of the accolades and stuff, and he doesn't really run a lot of good stuff, okay? Like, he's become a really over-the-top good recruiter. It's changed the way he's recruited over the years to where now he's he's the uh, Duke is now the Kentucky now, you know, where he used to get a lot of seniors and stuff. He's changed that. But he doesn't run a lot of good sets like they're all just the all they do is set some very like kind of joke, couple of joke screens to get a guy the ball to go one on one. Like so it's just a real like what he's great at is getting guys to play hard. Um, but. So I, I don't ever think, like like a guy like like Austin Rivers looks great at Duke, right? <laughs> he looks great at Duke. He looks like he can do everything. But you have carte blanche to just fly around and take whatever shot you want because there's not like there's any other options. Like once you get the ball, it's your job to just go, right? I think that Barrett. I think the NBA game and being out of that system is going to make him look a little more polished than he looks at Duke. My, my uh, biggest thing with him, 66.5% from the foul line. That, yeah. That to me was, I mean, because I mean, free throw shooting is, is, is the tell, you know, like for sh- like really good shooters, you know, you look well, and you go, they're like at 85% and you're like, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't, yeah, I agree. I don't, but I don't think he's a very good shooter. 
I think, but yeah, I don't think the shot's broken. Like I, like I, I'm, I don't, I'm not gonna not take a guy because of what his shooting was. I, I think that a lot of young players don't focus on free throw shooting. Like it, it's a, it's a, it's great for like if you're naturally if you're a good shooter, you just go in and knock them down. But for the guys that really need to focus on it, it's a little bit. I don't really hold it against young people. Um, because they don't like so it. I, they, 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 they haven't been trained yet to you know, get that number up. The, yeah, they don't, they don't recognize just how important it is. Like, people don't, they don't criticize college players the same way. So his 66%, like, during the season. Like Nobody's even talking about it. No one's talking about it. If that was an NBA guy, you're like, dude, like, you know, a two-guard in the NBA, like, dude, the guy only shoots 66%, and they'd be harping on it all the time that doesn't really happen in college because they they're, they still consider them kids and they don't want to just rip guys like that so i just think that he's going to look the the knicks on him i think will be a lot better on the um in the at the thing now deandre hunter i love so you saying yeah. that you think andre hunter is better than him is fine with me I love DeAndre. Hunter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, let's put a bow on on RJ Barrett. Um, I, I really like. I mean, you could. It's funny. Like interviews should be so important, and we don't get enough good interviews with these yeah. guys when the cameras are on them after they've been picked, and there's sort of this pressure release, right? And they, you kind of get to see who they really are, and it's not just for the cameras, right? It is for the cameras, but it's not. Every pre-draft interview you get with these guys, they're interviewing for a job. So you're getting that side of them. Afterwards, they let their hair down, and and this is who they are. And really impressed with all all of the top three guys. Um, and and they stopped. I think I stopped paying attention to the interviews after that as much because the draft got really busy. But really liked his attitude. Um, so I, I, I in that respect, I, I came out more encouraged about him than uh than less and 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 who knows maybe you're listening to that and thinking well how could you take an how could you make an opinion about a guy in a you know 30 second soundbite or whatever well i did and um <laughs> you know i also when you're when you're evaluating 500 nba players you got to get good at it so you can do it within 10 seconds so um i think he's got more potential than i thought heading into the draft um but there are the combo of the shooting because if he's not a very good shooter, that's fine. He can get better. Um, but some of the skills stuff that, you know, he's not quite there at. So I feel like he's got two boxes to check on offense. And, and like you, you mentioned, tight enough? what's that? You don't think his handles tight enough? Like, yeah, what's the other? yeah, exactly. Just the, the handle, the finishing, you know, being able to score in different ways that he, he's got it. I mean, it was understandable why he was put in even to that top three tier like that. You, when you looked at him, you're like, I get it. I understand why he's here. And, um, but just when you, when you go down the line and you're like, okay, we got to get the efficiency dealt with, we got to get the skill package dealt with. And we're not quite sure if you're a premium shooter yet. So those three things, you put that together. Now you add New York Nixiness into the equation where like he and Kevin Knox might take some of the worst shots that we see in the league next year, you know, um, and, and the organization not really having any sort of control, you know, or, or not control is not the right word. Uh, they're just not good. So, you know, th that could be a problem, you know, for a developing player who needs to get up over 
two, three different humps to, to really justify a number three pick. Those are the yeah. issues there. And uh, when, when you look down the line and you go to DeAndre Hunter, you know, who was the number four pick who Atlanta traded up to get and, and, and did another, um, you know, draft, draft day trade to get the guy that they wanted. You look at DeAndre Hunter and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, of course he's not the sexy pick. You know, RJ right. Barrett's the sexy pick, right. but I, I personally, you know, this is why I didn't like that three slot in the draft. I would love to, to, to trade down or to be in a lower spot and, uh, you know, take advantage of that somehow. But, uh, yeah, no, that's the, um, you know, that's, that's my take there on Barrett. As far as DeAndre Hunter goes, um, I know he's not quite there, but man, he pops on the film. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, well, he's a winner. And, and I've, I've watched him, you know, I, I saw earlier in this process, like the first numbers, he was like at nine or eight and they had, you know, Culver, who I, who I like, had him locked in at that four slot. And I, and I just kept thinking like, this was kind of a De'Aaron Fox Lonzo ball situation. Like mm. they played each other <laughs> in the tournament <laughs> for all the marbles and like DeAndre Hunter, you know, kind of severely outplayed him. So I was really like shocked to see that where they had them, but he, he was able to move up the charts. And this is a guy, you know, that checks the boxes. I mean, he's a dog on defense. He's, he's built, you know, he's strong. He's got an NBA body ready. He understands how to play within a system. Um, he can score. He doesn't have to, sh- you don't have to call plays for him. Like he's a guy that's just really, really good. He's going to bring, you know, a, a they desperately needed a, a good offensive player who has a real defensive culture. They desperately needed that in Atlanta, and I think that they got that guy um, in Hunter. Well, they really attacked the the three four positions in yeah. the, on, on on their squad, which need work. I mean, they got John Collins, and then it's a huge drop off after that. Dwayne Dedman's out probably for free agency. Who knows what they um, you know seeing Alex Len, but the, uh, that's the, uh, you know, so they got holes to fill there and, but they did this and this is more of the, the David Griffin, just complete takeover of the NBA. So they traded to get Deandre Hunter to jump up from number eight to number four. They traded, um, Solomon Hill. The mm-hmm. Pelicans got rid of Solomon Hill and basically garbage. Um, they gave up the number four pick and got the number eight, the 17 and the 35th, as well as a protected first round pick from Cleveland in 2020. So they turned the number four into four first round draft picks. And we'll talk about who they picked at number eight in a second. It's actually Jackson Hayes. Mm -hmm. Um, who's going to fit that team extremely well. Um, but Atlanta, um, I mean, I'm, I'd be happy if I was a Hawks fan knowing that at the end of the day, after all of that, you know, those first-round picks that they had, those mid-first-round picks, that they did get DeAndre Hunter. Um, yeah. It's a lot, though. I mean, 8, eight and 17 to get to 4, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 call, I think I'm, I'm neutral on that for the Hawks. Yeah, I think that... 
at least in Atlanta, they are getting an identity. I mean, like, let's be honest, th- this is a team that's about offense. Because I think they, they went and got, you know, Cam Reddish a little bit later, who's basically all offense as well. So they, they're at least going to have an identity. Like, in, in two years, you're going to know that if you don't come in and score 120 points against the Hawks, you ain't winning. You know, you might be able to easily get 130, but you know you better get the 120, right? So that, there's something to be said for that. I don't think that that is championship team building. Um, and it's, especially with the holes that the guy that they seem to be touting as a number one player has. But they're at least doing something. So many teams just flounder and, like, not really knowing where they're going, like, they're at least going like, hey, we're going to score a bunch of points. And, you know, if it comes time to start making deals to become a better all-around team, at least what we'll be able to trade will have shown. They'll be able to look down the list. Hey, well, Cam Reddish should give us 15 points. DeAndre Hunter could give us 16 points. This guy could do this. This guy could do that. So they'll have better trade bait just in the fact that they're just going to be scoring a ton of points. So it's something. They you know, got that a, is a long lot. ways to go. And they actually had a good season last year. You know, they, they, they exceeded expectations, beat the um, the Vegas number on the wins. and uh, But, yeah, no, I mean, you just look at their lineup and it's a lot of mediocre still. But, uh, you know, they're chipping away. Uh, that's that's the best you could say for that. Um, did, did, I, did I step on a point you were going to make there? No. Good. Good. See, I'm getting better at this. Uh, at the number five slot, Cleveland was talking about trading out of this pick. They ultimately right. didn't. And they, right. I, I, you know what? Sometimes I just, if you're going to go for the gusto, and, and this is probably what they thought. They, they liked DeAndre Hunter, who they ended up taking. Or probably not DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland. They, mm-hmm. they liked Darius Garland, who they ended up taking, but knew that they could get him, like, possibly eight picks later. <laughs> you know, and try to dangle the pick and nobody bought and so um they get Darius Garland who played five games for Vanderbilt last year um also wore a bathrobe to the draft (laughs) a designer shouts for rolling I'm not saying he did this but shouts for rolling out of bed taking a bong hit and just showing up to the draft (laughs) couldn't tell if he was trying to go with like the bathrobe look if he was trying to be like a like a Star Wars character or if he was trying to be like a like a like an African type of deal I, I just I didn't really know yeah, I, I good for him and, and, good for and him. the fashion yeah. circuit last night we're not, I, I don't think we're gonna get to Bull Bull who fell like a rock <laughs> what the heck was that Nothing that Spider-Man like thing yeah <laughs> It's, you know, it's funny because, like, every single draft guy said, oh, I don't know, you know, that sort of, like, off-court stuff. And nothing crazy, I don't think, but they, like, they all kind of, like, oh, you know, they don't want him around. Like, he's the guy that doesn't get it, you know? <laughs> he's the guy that didn't get it, that he was going to fall into the 40s and w- I, I, wore a Spider-Man suit that sucked. I, felt, I did feel bad. I felt bad because that's on the league. Like, they, there needs to be a little more accountability. Like, they, they supposedly have all this intel, and that's why they invite the guys they have. And it's like, they clearly didn't have the intel. Like, people lied to them. Like, you need to have, like, to get in that room, the guys have to tell them, like, hey, if we're at 
you know, the first round, like, he's not getting by us. If he's on the board, he's not getting by us. If, like, 15 teams don't tell you that, then he shouldn't be invited, okay? Like, you know, this is – the league's not going to leak it, you know, hopefully, to the other teams that, oh, these guys aren't interested in him. You know, so I, I, I thought it was sad that he was there. But that's where I had him going. You know, I did not – I don't – you know, like everyone keeps saying he's a top-five talent. I'm just like – On what planet – what planet, dude? Like, what the guy, he's already had a foot injury. He has well, no motor. No, We'll just jump to him real quick since we're on him. He has no motor whatsoever. You know, like, who's he going to guard out there? You know, like, who, who's he going to bet? Who's he? I just didn't get what everyone was. Like, it is, it is kind of breathtaking to see, like, what he does on offense just because of his body. But, like, when you, like, just think in real life. He doesn't really have a place on the team that's going to be more than 12 minutes, maybe? No, I mean, I mean, the Kings need a shot blocker, and he theoretically would be at 47 or whatever. No, pardon me. Uh, what were they at? 43 and traded out. Like, they passed him. You know, you're right. He's got nothing as far yeah. as, like, and but, yeah, no, he wore the spider suit, and, and it just looked so cheaply done, too. So, I I mean, I guess we're piling on, or I'm piling on. Um, just a rough night for him. Though I'll give him credit, when he was interviewed, I thought he did pretty good. You oh, know, yeah. I handling it. Yeah. You know, it, 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 this, these could be humbling moments. In fact, um, Fred Van Vliet video started flying around the net of his draft party, where he uh-huh. didn't get selected, and he got up on the mic, and he just sounded so eloquent. And here he is, day, or not day, years later, you know, taking huge shots in the NBA finals and defending Steph Curry as well as anybody really has. So, I mean, these moments are the, the draft. And I thought, again, I said this at the top, like I thought the draft did a really good job of highlighting some of these human moments. And for all the, the making fun of him, we're going to do, he, he, he held in there. Um, and he's he like, left. you know, he could have, he could have left after not being taken in the first round, you know, but he, he stayed in there and, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I, I think, I don't know, these, I, I think at times, you know, he, it probably was the right decision for him to come out considering the the, um, the, the injury history, but I think at a, a lot of these guys only listen to the good stuff people are telling them. And like, you, you know, we're going to talk in a couple of minutes about a guy, PJ Washington, who did the exact opposite came to Kentucky to be a one-and-done, didn't have the season he wanted, listened to everything that the NBA was telling him, listened to everything that the coaches were telling him, stayed a year, did exactly, got improved on every aspect that they told him to, and now he's going to be a, a 12-year pro. You know, So I, I think you know, the quicker you can humble yourself, the better life is going to be. Oh, you know? man, if I had learned that one early, holy moly. Uh, back to Garland. Um, he has some sort of elite shooting skills, and um, he'll be interesting next to uh, Colin Sexton. Um, yeah. They'll be small, yeah. but I, I don't know that I'm buying this. You know, this whatever you want to call this reboot in Cleveland. I mean, he's yeah. going to get a ton of playing time. Yeah. Uh, but but can he handle it, though? That's the big question I have. Is He only plays five games in college. Jumping up to the pros is going to be I, I, a slap to the face, especially if he's wearing that, that robe all the time. 
Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't know about this, but I, I think they're thinking. Um, I think they see Lillard McCollum. Mm, yeah. Just don't. His game. He's not like. There's not like true point guards. There's not like. There's not like pass first point guards, right? So this is again another scoring guy who doesn't stand out on defense. And you know you got a hawk now. You maybe you'd like. Um, well, Col- maybe Colin Sexton like, had a nice finish to the season. We'll give him that. I like Colin Sexton. I thought he had a perfect. I thought he he was exactly what I he could be on. Shot the three really well. A, at the end of the year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought he was just on an awful team and, you know, he got better. And once he was able to really get into his groove, he was fine. But I, I would have much rather seen uh, Culver here. Cause you're also, you know, you're, you're already on the, the path to like trying to be a defensive first team with, with Sexton. I just think Culver is the one that makes a lot of sense and is natural and can do much more for you doesn't have the injury issues. I mean, I just I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. I, I don't want to pile on the kid, cause, but I just – five games and a bunch of uh, well, you know, hoop summits and stuff to me is not enough to take speaking a small of, guy. <laughs> right, just, and speaking of C.J. McCollum, you know the guy that I thought really reminded me of him was Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And That's, yeah, is that the cousin of uh, what's his name? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know anything that about is, that. That's uh, Shea Alexander's cousin. Well, it kind of makes sense with the body type. Yeah, um, that is Shea Gilders Alexander's cousin. He, yeah. He's six foot five, two oh five, mm-hmm. and I just thought he makes all sorts of plays, a la McCollum. And um, he, but again, he was available really late. I don't know his number off the top of my head, but he was available really late. Uh, 17. Yeah. So, again, this is an example of where I thought being into that mid-range was was really valuable for teams. Um, Garland is uh, – well, and, and to your point, I definitely would have had Jarrett over him. And uh, Jarrett ends up going um, – as I switch screens Tim- here – yeah, and the and the the Wolves they there was there was a trade here with the Suns to get up into this position, and I was kind of confused by this whole thing from a few different perspectives. But you know, the Suns essentially dropped to the eleven pick, and this is the Suns had the worst draft of the night or worst kind of week of the draft um, with everything that they did because they also traded T.J. Warren to the Pacers, gave up their 32 pick, and essentially just, there. it was like a salary dump. Yeah. And T.J. Warren was really good for them yeah. early on. His yeah. deal is not, you know, a deal that is, is people are looking at, oh, that's a terrible deal. You know, that's oh. a deal that's marketable. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't, um, yeah, they're just not good organization like it just sets a bad tone too like when you have a guy they they, they also picked up Dario Saric but only for another year on his rookie deal and they have the rights to his RFA status the following year but yeah but I mean this was in this isn't the trade to drop from six to eleven yeah 
What are they doing? I, I don't know. And, and, I, and I like Cameron Johnson. We'll talk about him in a second. But I, just, I don't just know. Just a total mess. But <laughs> and, and let's flip it. Let's talk about Minnesota and Jarrett Culver, though. Yeah, yeah. Culver, I, I mean, I look at Minnesota and I look at their roster and I go, Jeff Teague's probably not there very long. Um, they've never respected Tyus Jones, though that could change, you know, with new coaching and and sort of a new management. And I hope so. I love that guy. Yeah, he he could stick around. He just knows how to play basketball. Right, right. And then you you just got great, you know, value out of Josh Okogie, and he's he's probably somebody that should stick around and and get good minutes. You have nothing um, good in Andrew Wiggins, you know, and you got Robert Covington, those two guys, if they're still there, which Covington's the guy they've been dangling. Um, right. Who knows what's up with Derrick Rose? And and after that, the list gets pretty thin. So, But with Okogi there, I mean, are they picturing him more as a three and they're going to get rid of Covington and you're going to run Andrew Wiggins out at shooting guard? Or, or are they picturing Andrew at the three? I mean, shooting guard, I, I mean, if I'm Minnesota, I probably, if I don't believe in Tyus Jones, I'm probably looking point guard. In, in one of these situations, um, but or or power forward where they have a huge hole. Um, I, I don't see. Uh, I mean, Washington might have actually been a decent fit there, but um, I, I don't I know. Think, I just I scratched my head at this for Minnesota. Yeah, I don't. know. I mean, I like Culver. I mean, they got a good player, um, a versatile player. I just, so I don't I don't know about maneuvering. So if if you have your heart set, like maybe they think he is, maybe they have him at number three, right? Maybe maybe on their board. Some people go, did, by the way. Yeah. So maybe on their board, it's Zion, Morant, Culver. Like, can you sit back and wait? Is the question. If you think he's that good, no, you can't. You can't. You got to go get him. So. I could understand it from their perspective. If that's where they have them, I could understand them just going and get the guy. Now, what that does for everything else, I don't know. But the the one thing that you know is that the second that uh, the second that anybody <laughs> has a, any kind of inkling to take Andrew Wiggins, they're going to get rid of him. So you need to play, you know. So it's it, it looks a lot better if if that you know say you got a point guard and who knows what they're going to do there, but or you know right out Teague, but like if if Wiggins is gone, then Okogie could slide to the three, or you right. just roll with Okogie as a pure backup and Covington sticks around and and you roll that way. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think that having too many wings is a problem, you know. Uh, but I, you know, there's not, there's not, again, like there, these, these real true pass first high IQ point guards that can get guys the ball where they need it, when they need it. There's just not a lot of them anymore because of the way the game is being coached. So, like, just having an, a scoring point guard just adds to Minnesota's problems. Now, you're taking shots away from Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins and all the, you know, I mean, Hell, I guess it doesn't really matter if you take shots away from Wiggins because he's just going to not pay attention, fire up whatever he wants to anyway, and you know, be you know, clipping his nails while you know, in the, he, you know, he's just a mess. It's just a mess over there. But you know, 
so I, I can I, I know that's a hole, but like the, the point guard they need wasn't there anyway. So well, let's talk about the point guard that they didn't need. Kobe, <laughs> Kobe White. Yes. Was was you know got really he was getting some hype. Also yep. hilarious press conference afterwards. I don't know if you caught that because uh, they they told him during the press conference that his teammate right. Cam Johnson got drafted at eleven, and his yeah. response was nothing short of like Spicoli. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 a way more endearing Spicoli, I might add. Yes. The, the original Spicoli was kind of an uh, idiot, and you know, yes. but Kobe was was pretty funny about it. But he he was rising up the kind of that hype board, if you will. Yeah, and then he gets taken by the Bulls, and um, the Bulls have not, for whatever reason, they've been like anti Chris Dunn for the last yeah. year. Yeah, and and you could tell, like, but the way the reporting comes out of Chicago. Absolutely. The team, when when you could figure out who the team calls when they want their PR to be released, but under the guise of journalism, then you could really get a beat on a team. Sure. They've they've wanted done out of there for a bit, so they bring in Kobe White, and I looked at Kobe White, and they tried to make the De'Aaron Fox comparison in places. No, and I just no. laughed. I was like, no, no. <laughs> no. When I saw De'Aaron Fox, I was like, whoa, no. that no. guy can fly. I never say that when I look at Kobe White. Like no, at all? No. Oh no, no, I, no, I stop. You know, like, and I, and I don't know. I saw them play a lot, and again, I don't get it. I don't know why he's moved up so so quickly. You know, he's a score first point guard. I didn't see him really dominate elite defense that was focused. Um, he's not. I don't see him. I mean, he could he could hang around and have a, a nice career, but like I don't think he answers any of your questions. He reminds I certainly me, don't I certainly don't like him more than done. I mean, so I don't know. He reminds but, me a little bit of Cameron Payne. Like, yeah, just, it just it might not have the ability to get a shot off. Yeah, I, I at don't, the NBA level. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, they, they it's like for all the um, analytics and all of their uh, per possession stuff. They really didn't account for how fast North Carolina plays. Like, they they play at a pace that is like crazy for college, and some of those points are empty points. You know, like they they don't like you're just not gonna get that many opportunities if you translate it to the NBA. And I'm just kind of surprised that for all of the you know, stat monkeys out there that seem to be running the league. When it comes to Kobe White, they really didn't pay attention to that. So, <laughs> you know. You, I, you I, call I, them stat monkeys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, like, that. I mean, you need a guy. That team, they need a, you want a guy that can impact the game all the time well, with, you know. Minimal- that's why I was with, I was okay with Garland. Because at least he has an, he has a skill that, yeah. I mean, you can't take it away from him. Like he's gonna be a good shooter. He's yeah. gonna be a good, you know, perimeter playmaker. Like I didn't see any of that in Kobe White. Yeah. You know, or I didn't see any, any anything that really translates to the NBA level. So we'll and see about. I was hoping. I was thinking like, okay, I watched them play like five times. He never jumped off. I never was like, wow, you got to keep an eye on Kobe White. 
Honestly, you know, I mean, this is really overgeneralizing, but I think it might speak more to average fans. I think when people see like the big hair, like, I mean, it literally like gives them like two extra notches up with people. Um, Jackson Hayes went eight and goes to New Orleans. Part of that deal. um, I, I can see all the ways this spins south for him, but I just love the idea of that, that length, that athleticism that um you're speaking to something that we know he will be able to do if as long as he doesn't become a zero on defense because he can't know where to stand he's gonna be a vertical threat and he's gonna yeah. be a fast break asset and all those things <laughs> i mean like there's a couple of dudes that on this thing that their bad film is really bad and his is like that. Like, mm-hmm. yep. He looks lost. Like, I saw him play twice. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, when a guy is playing in a game and all they're talking about is that he's going to be a lottery pick and he's not really doing anything, that's always a bad sign. Like, if somebody's going to be, when, when someone, like, when you watch Zion play in, like, game 10, all they're talking about is what Zion's doing on the court. They're not saying, oh, he's moving up the draft boards. And, you know, they, they might throw it out there once or something. But, like, the game I, I saw Texas play, they talked about that the entire time. And, like, it, and, it, and it's kind of funny, like, you know, when, when you're running, when everybody in the league is trying to play the same way and get certain guys, this is, the, this is the exact reason why I never would have given Clint Capella that money. Because you can find the tall guy that jumps high and catches lobs. Like it's, it's like it's not even really a skill to me. It's just well, like oh. also here's here's another thing on that note. What happens after year four in the NBA is these guys their legs get dead, yeah. and so Clint Capella, you saw that last year. You know he's not that guy anymore, and right. and they've got a huge amount of money that they're going to be paying him out to not yes. be that guy anymore right. so it's like i get it why you did it because this particular team needed that particular guy at that particular time um the window for houston was now they backed themselves into that corner by going after chris paul and yada 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 and you know the cult of uh, maury who follows me on twitter or at least did and um i gave him the advice he needed and he didn't listen so i don't feel bad for maury um Jackson Hayes, though, I do like the fit, though, because I think in yes, New Orleans, yes. they need like 15 minutes out of somebody like that. And if he can yes. give you some upside at eight, absolutely, absolutely. you know, to me, bravo. That's a That's Just, a great pick, though. There are some guys I'd like better. I like Siku Demboya better. Um, we'll talk about him in a second. We're going to go a little long on this show, by the way. Um, the uh, but I like the fit there for uh, New Orleans. Uh, Rui Hachimura. Man, I thought Big Baby, but Big Baby never ran the break like he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, But that was a different era, you know. Um, But but I'm thinking like late career Big Baby where he was, he's got that, you know, the big base, you know, so he's going to not be pushed around a bit, but played a mostly perimeter kind of a game. Yeah. Um I know Rui's got the inside game. Yeah. Um but, inside Yeah, I, but but it's to me it's like okay, so this is how you're this is how athletic you are right now. Um how are you going to be in 3 years? 
you know, are you going to be able to zip around and elevate the way that he elevates, you know, right now? I, I, I worry about that with him. And I also worry about him going to the wizards just cause I worry about anybody that goes to the wizards. Yeah. I, I worry about him going to the wizards more than I worry about him to me. Like he's one of those guys. I mean, obviously there's a lot to be left. There's a lot left to be desired, um, on the defensive end from him. Um, but his inside game, I mean, he, when he catches the ball at, seven feet or even if he catches it right on the block or eight feet he's got everything both shoulders turnarounds go strong drop steps i mean he has clearly been coached very very well um he you know gets the uh when he gets the um the ball off the board clean he's excellent on the fast break and you can tell a guy that can really run a fast break by how the guards turn and run like when he got those, when, you know, when he gets the board, the guards put their head down and run. They don't, they have no concern that he is not going to be able to take the ball and make a good decision on the other end. Um, could be a much better rebounder, a much better defender. But I think that, you know, when guards are all offense, no one seems to care, right? <laughs> like, no one, no one, no one goes like, "Oh man, like this guy can't stay in front of anybody." You know, he's he's a t- no one cares. But when it's big guys, they want him to block all this stuff. This guy's just an offensive player. But I think you know who he is. I think when you look at his jumper, he doesn't have a lot of uh, three point range right now. But it's a nice looking stroke, so I don't see any problems with him morphing into more of a stretch four. And I think he, I think he's gonna come in. You know, as an older player, ready to go, mentally set. I, I just, I just like him as a player. I think he's going to be in the league for twelve years, and he, he's gonna—he's uh, probably never going to be an all-star. But I could see him as being in a rotation on the championship team. So, you know, I, hey. I wish I'd watched more Gonzaga last year because him and uh, Brandon Clark, yeah, to me are two of the more. That's a more one of the more unique front courts that that yeah. I've kind of seen. You know, at any level really. Um, right. Cam Reddish to the Hawks at 10. I think Cam Reddish shot like 20% from the field last year. Oh, crazy like that, yeah. I mean, it was like 33. It, it's really obscenely low. Um, yeah. And there's all sorts of excuses we can make, um, you know, that they didn't have shooters at Duke. But um, he was supposed to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Hawks. He was, he was supposed to be one of the guys that made you pay for double teaming Barrett and, and Zion. You know, that's the, that's the problem. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't very high on him, um, but, you know, he goes to an area of need. We could probably spin through him real quick. Um, Cam Johnson was the, the first wow moment, I think, of the draft. Yeah. Um, you know, North Carolina senior goes to Phoenix um, shooting guard. Yeah. I mean, what am I? What, what am I? What am I missing here? What's the angle that Phoenix is seeing that nobody else is seeing? <laughs> I think he's gonna be a pro, but I just don't think that you take that. I just think you you could get him later. I mean, I don't know if you're that in love with a guy. Do your homework and figure out where he's where he's gonna be, and you might be able to get him there. I mean, I just don't. You know, I I like him. I think he's got a lot of heart. He shoots the ball extremely well be in the league for a long time i just don't think that i don't know if he can i don't think he's a starter ever ever 
You know, and I don't think that on a very, very, very good team, I don't know that he can play more than like seven minutes for you if you're trying to win the championship. So I don't know if wheeling and dealing to get that guy is the best. <laughs> no, I mean, you almost think like, did they trade down and think they were getting somebody else or... And, yeah. and and I said he was a shooting guard. I'm sorry, he's a power forward. Um, I'm running on like three hours sleep here. I think he's gonna be a. Th- I mean, I think he's gonna be a three. You know, well, more- he got comparisons in Amanja Bielitsa. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if you saw that. Like, no, I mean, th- that's. Uh, I mean, he's a perimeter guy, right? He can, <laughs> he can pass and and i think those things look good to people you know but everything else you know just isn't there yeah and so if you you just traded also for dario sarich yeah who's another one of those guys like uh and they also traded they got aaron baines which is you know in a deal which you know that'll fly underneath the radar for this show's purposes but um you know danny age promised the guy that they wouldn't trade him so he opts into his deal and then they trade him to the Suns. Like, Danny, yeah. n- nobody's had as bad of a off season. I don't think, you know, if we take the Suns out of the equation, it's Danny Ainge. Yeah, I think it's one of those, and we, you know, and I've, I've loved some moves, but it's kind of one of those things where, like, doesn't it, don't you think, like, Danny Ainge really enjoys everyone saying how smart he is? Oh, yeah. And it's, like, one of those things where, like, you could be a little too smart, like, like not trading for Paul George and going for Gordon Hayward instead, you know, like there, there's, you can come up with the next like theory and calculus, but you still have to remember that one plus one equals two. Also people know? don't understand not making a move is a decision unto itself. Yes. It, it just, yes. it is like you, you sat, you, you held your hand and your hand dissipated. Also yeah. Kyrie Irving wasn't the answer. No. And and oh. and people look at that and they go, well, you know, Isaiah Thomas, you know, wasn't you know worth anything. Like, I don't know if anybody knew how bad it was at the time. And you know, you you got rid of him. You bring in Kyrie Irving, and the mentality of that team. It's just the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, they they, they went to the crapper. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll talk about that in future weeks in the dead zone probably. Yeah. Um, your, your, your guy, PJ Washington, I yes. actually really liked him on film. Um, not enough to vault him kind of like higher than when he was drafted at 12 by the Hornets. No, no. But he just sort of like, you could see why he would fall in drafts because he didn't jump off the screen. But then you looked at him at the same time and you're like, you know, somewhere in there is a workable package. Like yeah. you, you can work at the NBA level yeah. And so, um, you know, his, I know you're a fan of guys that stay in school. Well, I, just he's a guy that you have to watch. Like, I, I don't think the, even the, um, the, the breakdowns and stuff, like you, you have to watch him play a game and watch his impact on the game and like his impact on winning. And he's a guy that. You know, he's just going to do the right things. He's going to try and get better every single year. He's not going to come in out of shape. He's not going to – he's going to do everything if he, you know – he's just he's just – he's going to be a great locker room guy. He's going to be a, a rotation guy. I think he could be a rotation guy on a championship team. I just 
Like, it's a super, it's a safe pick that has, you know, probably a low ceiling, but he'll get there. You know, like, I, whatever you think, like, he's going to be, I think he'll get there. You know? hey, and they, so, didn't, they didn't have to turn down four first-rounders to get him. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> they did not. So, I like P.J. Washington. Uh, Ty- Tyler Hero came down at number 13 for the Heat. Oof. I don't really have a ton of Oof. takes here. I-, oh. I like the fact he shot 93.5% from the foul line. That's, yeah, that's the best not- I can say. I don't think he's going to get to the foul. I mean, this guy, I don't know. He, I don't know what Miami's doing here. Uh, he's what are they just, even building towards? I don't know. I mean, it's a he's a knockdown, cold blooded shooter, but like he he I don't know if he can get a shot off. I mean, and his defense is. I mean, he's again another guy like his defensive bad film is awful. He guys aren't even making moves. They're just they're just going by him. You know, like they're just, they're literally just going by him. And I don't think it stood out in college because he had, you know, PJ Washington's and other shot blockers behind him. But uh, he's got a lot to be desired. I, I just don't know that, that you, there's got to be a better player. I mean, certainly the guy that you, the, the Alexander kid, for sure. I don't even think that's a question. I mean, I think that's a absolute no brainer. I mean, this, I, I I don't know about Hero. I mean, to me, I, I see him as a kind of a late first, or second round. I think because of his height, people are excited, but... Well, they're excited because of the shooting. I mean, in this league, shooting is so overrated. You can't and, get it off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know, spacing, gravity, shooting. You know, these are the buzzwords of the day. Yeah. And so they, they basically cost more on draft yeah. day. You just hope for his sake that the heat culture returns to what it was, you know, a couple of years ago and they get really good again. Uh, Celtics take Romeo Langford. This was another, you know, kind of like he's six foot six, two fifteen. You know, he's a yeah. shooting guard. Um, right. you, you've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, sort of in that size profile. Right. I don't see them wanting to give the ball to a guy who's, you know, basically had a pretty bad season yeah. in, in Indiana and, and is known for, you know, lack of tempo, effort, and defense. Yeah, I think this is more of a, uh, you know, draft him. He might see some D-League time. He might um, – I, I don't think minutes I, – I think I, – actually, there, I don't think the D-League is the answer, but I think they just want to get him in a professional culture. But the question is – is Boston that place? Like it was the year before, you know, but now, I mean, they've gone so kind of wacky. I mean, even, you know, you know, uh, Horford's running for the Hills. also. Yeah. Know? That's, I mean, so that's a, that's a bad sign. Cause I, I feel like Horford's a pretty good meter on doing things the right way. And so like the fact that he wants out of there is so bad. It's not a, not good (laughs) yeah he's getting a big number too to stay in boston if he wants to but i understand why he wants to take another bite at the apple because he can legitimately do it he just watched his old teammate paul Millsap get it and he's better right now by a lot than Millsap was when he got his three times 30 deal my god um so i understand it but yeah no and i I think actually the celtics are in a position to bounce back because 
if you look at Jalen Brown's, uh, you know, specifically, he he's got a good head on his shoulders, and I don't. I actually I worry a little bit more about Jason Tatum than I do with Jalen Brown as a young player who's going to take the mantle of this team, and you know, hopefully Brad Stevens still has that locker room's ear. You never know um, after yeah. a year like that. Yeah, but uh, I think they could be in a position to bounce back. You get rid of Kyrie, I think it solves a lot for them. Uh, Pistons take Siku Dumboya. You said you didn't see him much, so I'll, I'll just kind of roll through what I thought there. He um, at six foot nine, six foot almost ten, I want to say, um, or at least he he looks six foot ten out there. He um, he is the guy that you look at in this draft. You go, okay, who could theoretically cover a Giannis? You know, if everything goes right for him. And Sikun Mboya is a guy. Um, the Pistons are heavy in the front court, so getting an athlete um, that can you know, provide either backup minutes or take over if you move on from Drummond or Blake Griffin gets hurt, uh, I think he's a good different element that they roll out there. Um, fluid. Fluid and not a project. He's, yeah. he's, he's got a, a foundation there to work from now. He's just a hair over 18 right now. And people question some of his kind of focus, effort, and consistency, that kind of thing. And my thought there is he's 18 and playing yeah. overseas. We don't know what he's going to be. I just love the physical profile. And yeah. that he fell to 15 for the Pistons is just great news for them. Uh, I had him, I think, at six or seven um, overall. Okay. Uh, the Magic took somebody that nobody really heard of, Chumo oh, Kike. Oh, yeah. You can speak on him if you would like. I don't care. I think that, I mean, they've got Jonathan Isaac. He's a small forward power forward. They got Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon. And right. they're talking about wanting to keep Nick Vucevic, which I think is hilarious. But, um, so I don't know what they're doing. Did you have a, a take on him? Am I, is everybody missing the boat here? Is this a good I pick? Just think bad that pick? You, I think he's a good pick. I, I think, you know, if he hadn't tore the ACL. Auburn might have won the championship, and then we'd really be talking about him. Oh uh, wow! Okay, yeah, uh, you know he's he, he 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 was a kind of a late bloomer. I didn't get to watch him on film because he wasn't high enough in mocks that I yeah. could catch up, and, and no, I, I got the like the top fifteen twenty guys. So I didn't. Yeah. No, I looked at him and I said, I don't know. Like I he was uh, supposed to be a late rounder, but I think the magic looked at it as like. If, if 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 someone else and they think they just had their, they just went for upside. Uh, well, not even upside. I think if if he only does what he did, I mean he's a he's a tenacious defender. He bangs. He could post up. He's got a very nice natural stroke. I mean he's just a he's just a really good. He's ready to play right now. He's gonna come in. He's got a good NBA body. Um, I just think that, you know, and they were really rolling. And his last, he didn't do much the first year. He came back, you know, really put the time in. And then they as a team clicked. And he was clearly the best player, you know, from about like the last 15, 10, especially the last 10 games. I mean, he was really becoming a little bit of an unstoppable force. And then he and then he uh, gets to ACL. I think that was in the, the Elite Eight. I believe, and uh, then they still they went on and upset uh, North Carolina, and then they lost in the uh, Final Four. So <laughs> you he, you say you don't watch any college because you just rattle this stuff off like it's nothing. I, 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 <laughs> just, so so now I now I completely doubt that you're busy all the time. I think you just sit there and watch college basketball. 
<laughs> but anyway, I, I think that, you know, if had he had he stay, had he not gotten the had he not tore the ACL, they very well could have won that damn thing. And he would have people would have been talking him in that, you know, seven, eight range. I think because of the ACL, he which isn't a death knell. By any it's means. not a death nail. It's not a death nail at all, and I think he has enough skill that even if his athleticism is slightly diminished, he he's good. He'll still be good enough to be a very productive player on a uh, on a good team. So I think Orlando just didn't want to risk it. I think they just really really liked him and did not want to risk that he was going to be around in the second round. I mean, I think I think that. It's it's scary for a lot of these guys. You know, you see something that you think is just we gotta get this guy. I mean, I just don't think that they that the value I think for them was just they just had to take him. So um, it, it's yeah, hard. Think- I'll say this: it's hard because the next pick is who the next pick is, and I had him so, ranked so highly. And I look at the Magic, and I think they need an a perimeter offensive player that can keep the ball out of Aaron Gordon's hands. <laughs> <laughs> keep the ball out of Nick Vucevic's hands and Vucevic is fine don't get me wrong like he's a great offensive player and probably even underrated in that regard but like playing inside out through him was some of the grindiest basketball I've ever seen and that's because DJ Augustine was a point guard Evan Fournier is your other playmaker Jonathan Isaacs you know a couple years away from being any you know major contributor on offense they just need that perimeter guy and Nikhil Alexander Walker's right there and of course the Pelicans took him at number 17 and to me this is where I I just kind of like dropped my pen and and said okay apparently I'm David Griffin's biggest fan now because This, um, you know, they've got a decision they could have made on Alfred Payton, but I think they just made that decision for them. Um, And maybe he could stick around in a backup role. Who knows? Um, But when you have Drew Holiday, you can, and now you could just have two combo guards. You know, uh, it's just a perfect, beautiful thing. This is, I think, the year for Lonzo Ball. If he doesn't get it done this year, it's a it's a wrap. Okay, like between Drew Holiday and this kid, and, and this is the year to do it. There's not going to be a lot of no one's going to be watching the Hornets or no one's going to be watching the Pelicans for Lonzo Ball, right? Everyone's going to be watching for Zion. Drew Holiday is going to get his his touches, his minutes. He's going to you know be the initially the best player on that team. Ingram's a much more natural score that could impact the game. They still like the kid um, that they took in the second round last year from uh, Duke um, Johnson, Frank Johnson. Like, yeah. if, if Lonzo doesn't do it this year, like, I think it's going to be pretty evident that people were very, 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 very wrong on Lonzo Ball. And this kid... I would much rather if it's if it like I'm not up on Lonzo Ball. I'm not a big Lonzo Ball fan. So a lot me, of people are still. I know, but if to me, if this kid can be any sort of a, if he could kind of shade more toward point, and Lonzo Ball can't get it done, his, his time might be limited. Maybe 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 uh, Papa Ball was right to make all this stink and get him what he could get him 
right now because <laughs> this is it. The leathers, the 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 rubber guy hit the road this year, or he's gonna be sitting on the bench and uh, not not doing a whole lot of anything. So yeah, that's my um, take. I mean, Lonzo fits in in the sense that like you want to get up and down the floor. I think with Zion and and really you know get the most out of him that you can in that regard. So. He'll be good in that respect, but it's just again, it's about the offense. You know, he, Lonzo can't be, he can't be passive. You know, as he's been in the past, which right. is hard. It's hard to put that on him entirely, given his surroundings. But he's he's given up on free throw shooting. Yeah, he's and he takes really bad three point shots. Horrible three-point shots. And, I, and, you know, I think, I mean, for his game, I mean, LeBron James coming there was the worst possible thing to ever happen. I mean, you got a guy that wants to walk it up the court every, I mean, when one guy can only exist in the open court, and then you bring in a guy that only likes to walk it up the court. So that was not going to be a good thing for him. But that's why this is the year where we're going to see more the mental makeup of Lonzo Ball. Because there's not going to be any pressure on him. This is the year where he can focus and, and show that he's a winner, show that he can do stuff to impact winning, not just, you know, his rookie year, people like to throw out those stats. It's like, who cares? They, they were down 30 points every game. Who cares? You know, this is the year for him. And if he can't do it this year, then we know who Lonzo Ball is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, the hype machine, and that's what happens when you play in L.A. There's an extreme chance that you can somehow become overrated. Um, but, but, but there's a lot to be said for his defense. And, and, and I think, um, he's also pivoting out of a, an interesting time in his life where they get rid of the business guy who ripped him off. Uh-huh. He, he might be just tired of his dad at this point. You know, he, he might do that thing where it's like, all right, F you dad or F you this or F you that I'm going to go do it my way. If I'm going to go down, I'm going to do it my way. Absolutely. And so I kind of like the bounce back potential there, but at the same time, I mean, I think with uh, Nikhil here, you you can really see a, a nice complimentary piece with Drew Holiday, and and he can start off off the bench, you yeah. know, as well, and and really get a feel for the game that way. I just like the fit there. I think he's going to be part of the future uh, for the Pelicans. We had. Um, it was after that. I'm just going to pick out some names here and see if uh, you got any takes on them. Um, well, we can't go without talking about Brandon Clark. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, hey. I, I saw Blake Griffin in him, but, man, if he was like two inches taller, would we have been talking about him like Blake Griffin? If he was two inches taller? Yeah. What do they have him at? Like, he's what's, what's he listed at? I think he's six foot eight. Uh huh. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, I he's he's a good player and he's a winner. I I, I like the who did he, what, what, who's whose pick is this? This is uh, he went to twenty one. So he's and, and he's with the he's with the Grizzlies. So the OK, OKC traded down. Oh, traded to okay. And the Grizzlies got him at twenty-one. 
Yeah, well, th- that's actually, I mean, outside of the stuff that you touched on with, you know, the shakiness of the organization, I, as far as, like, again, as far as just purely picking players, again, I think this is a place where he's going to go and thrive because he doesn't, the pressure's not really on him, you know? They're not looking for him. The The, the pressure's on John Morant and Jackson. So I think, like, he'll be able to maneuver freely and work on his game. And if he has a bad game, no one's going to worry about it. But I mean, I like him as a player. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a smart player. He knows how to win. I mean, I had him as high as I want to say like seven on my best player available list. Okay. So I don't have him that high, but looking at his stats now, granted it's just, you know, that's Gonzaga. So there's some, some um, softball matchups in there. Yeah. His stats. their preseason's pretty tough, though. Yeah, no. that's what I was going to say. It's not like you can't just ignore this stat line. I want to say it was like 17 and 8 with right. like 3.2 blocks per game and like a steal per game. And he didn't come into the league as like, oh, this guy just takes a bunch of chances and he's, you know, not a good defender. Like, he's a good defender. Right. And yeah. he has these tools. He's got this athleticism and, you know, he's somewhat improving his jump, jump shot. So. I, to me, I thought this was a huge pickup for Memphis. And, you know, when you start to look at the players you mentioned and, and Dellen Wright and getting up and down the floor, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Jonas Valanciunas there. Um, if they mm. want to bring him back or not. And right. uh, so, yeah, just a, a few different things there. Who else did I want to quickly take a gander at? Um, I don't know why I just think Grant Williams. Celtics again. Grant Williams is. Uh, just a hilarious looking basketball player. He's a strange looking dude. I mean, he's like a bowling ball. Yeah, I was just going to say, he is like a bowling ball. It's not, it's not like he's out of shape, and I know he's a hard worker. You know, he reminds me of a more, I don't know, I guess a more kind of perimeter based version of, um, God, what's the guy? Kings had him for a long time. Oh. Uh, which, uh, oh, um, Arkansas kid. Uh, you're talking about, um, my God, assistant. He, he's never left the league. He assisted there for us. Carl Landry. No, no. Um, is it Williams or Bonzi. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, it's funny as, as for covering the Kings. Uh, my my Kings history after about ten years ago is just not good. Um, you, you and, you'll remember it when we get off the show. The yeah. Blazers got Nasir Little. At yeah. 25. Yeah. You know, they, they roll with the Minu and, um, you know, Mo Harkless. And, you know, He's those guys free, did okay. I'm um, not quite sure. But either way, they need help there. I thought that was, um, you know, good. You know, yeah. as far mm-hmm. as, like, he fell, you know. Yeah. You, you got lucky. You know, now you got to make it work. Um, It seems like that's, you know, that's kind of the name of the game. And that, nobody else stood out to me in the back of the first round. So any other players that you could think of that, that you thought, uh, Keldon Johnson, uh, of course the Spurs picked him. San Antonio. Like I would have like, I don't know, like to me, like comparing like Keldon Johnson, to Tyler hero to me is a no brainer. Like I think Keldon Johnson's way better. So I shouldn't say way better, but certainly, more translatable to the NBA. Um, so I think that they got a steal there. 
Um, second round, Bruno Fernando, big old boy um, from Maryland, who just is just a big banging guy who's going to work very hard. And he's just a dude that you're going to feel after you play him. Like, <laughs> dude, it's just like tough. Uh, the Celtics, I think the Celtics got um, Carson Edwards, a little, little guard that can really just fill it up from Purdue. Um, I don't, again, I don't know that Boston's the best place for him, but you know, I think having the, the Isaiah Thomas experience there, they are not afraid of small guards that can fill it up. So they uh, they drafted him, and that was about it. Your Kings, though, I tell you what, <laughs> I tell you what, man. The I, I'm a big Michigan fan, and Bridzink is. I was shocked that he entered the draft. And I just, and then I'm shocked after the, after going through the draft process, I was like, for sure, he's not going to hire age and he's going to put himself back in college because he does not belong. Um, so I don't really know what they're doing there. I I, I don't know that he's long for this league. Um, well, you know, they traded fast. him to the, they, they, he picked, they picked him for the Knicks. Um, they traded him away for cash. Oh, okay. Good. And, and that pissed off the locals and, um. Oh God, no, 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 no. He's he's not. They also drafted a guy out of Wyoming, Justin. Um, what is his name? It's not Justin Jackson. It's Justin James or something. <laughs> I was scrambling for who is this guy, and so was everybody else because he wasn't on anybody's no, draft boards. Um, it was. Uh, I'll get a name here for you real quick. It was Justin. Where'd you go, Justin? Justin, you were so good. Nobody remembered you. Um, Oh, I know that's mean. No, actually, yeah, it was Justin James picked at 40. He um, played in Wyoming and he shot a lot because they needed him to. And so he's got this really weird stat set where I uh, shot 40 percent, but probably more like a 45 percent shooter. If, um, you know, he's not being asked to take five million shots. and He got eight rebounds a game. His stat set was the first one that we've seen since Anthony Hardaway. So either the Kings know something that nobody else does or. You know, they just pick somebody that won't be in the league very long. Yeah. Um, nothing really to talk about there. Uh, I think it says more than anything that they actually saved some money on a pick. Um, look, out for, look out for um, Eric Paschal. Mm. Uh, Warriors took from Villanova. Um, watch out for that in, re- in reference to um, what they do with Draymond Green in the future. Because mm. I think I think he's a really good player. Um, I think that you know he's just not flashy, but all the guy did was go to Final Fours and you know win championships. And I think that he's not Draymond Green. Don't get me wrong, but like I think when you're you put him together with another power forward, I think you can live with letting Draymond Green go. So. Mm. Just, just, mm-hmm. Bury it at the end of an of a ninety five minute pod. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, sir. Um, I think we'll call this one a pod. It's been a we covered a ton of ground here, and things are gonna get just crazy. I mean, by the yeah. next time we do a pod, it'll be I think want to say like two days before free agency hits. Yeah. So uh, we will be running overtime nights again here at Hoopball, um, which is where you can find the pod, hoop-ball.com. 
sub- subscribe, like the show if you liked what you heard today. You know, tell us all about it, and um, you know, all those subscriptions and likes and all that stuff they push us up the ranks, and you know, we get more listens and we get to do this more often. Um, the uh, yeah, the league's gonna. I think the league's changing this year. It's going to be a, a fascinating, it's going to be a really fun summer, and I think next year will be a very good year for the league. So uh, that's all good for everybody involved. Uh, follow us online at, on Twitter, twitter.com slash KOZANDBRU show. 932 days without a tweet. Very proud of that fact. And on facebook.com, where we cover the hard hitting stuff all the time, facebook.com slash KOZANDBRU show. Another one's in the books, peeps. Peace. Peace.